Can I tell you why it's important to remember? Because life will make you forget what Jesus said. Sickness will make you forget what Jesus said. Profound disappointment will make you forget what Jesus said. Dark times will make us forget what Jesus said. Death will make us forget his words. Despair will make us forget his words. The truth of the matter is we're just like the disciples. Every now and then we have to be reminded so we can remember. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. Luke 24, verse 1. Luke 24, beginning with verse 1. All that are able to stand, would you stand with me for the reading and the hearing of the word of God. Luke 24, beginning with verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Luke 24, verse 1. Everybody ready? Let's read together. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. Why do you look for the living? He is not here. Be crucified, and on the third day, the word of God for the people of God, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. As you take your seat, would you recite my title to your neighbor? Tell him, remember his words. Look on the other side of you and tell him, remember his word. I want to talk today from the subject, remember his words. The women went to the tomb early in the morning. They went on the first day of the week. They were carrying the spices they had prepared to anoint what they expected to be the dead and lifeless body of Jesus Christ. In a culture where their freedom was limited and where they were considered to be nothing more than marginalized people. These women were brokenhearted. They were confused. Their spirit was in turmoil. Their hopes had been crushed because the one in whom the common people heard gladly, the friend to publicans and sinners, the friend to women, Jesus, their friend and their hero, had been brutally beaten and buried in Joseph's new tomb. These women were still reeling from the events that had taken place several days earlier. Their time with Jesus seemed all too brief. And not only was it brief, but it ended much too soon. Not only did it end much too soon, but it ended their relationship with Jesus 
in a way that they were not prepared. While it was true that they had heard Jesus say on numerous occasions that they would have to watch him die a miserable death and that he would be raised from the dead, they still didn't expect things to come crashing down the way they did. Touch somebody, tell them it wasn't what they expected. And I'm sure that many of us in this room <clears throat> today have had at least one experience in our lives where things didn't turn out the way we expected. I know I'm not the only one that can name events, experiences, where we expected one thing, y'all ain't saying nothing, and we've got something else. I know I'm not the only one in the room who had high expectations, only to have those expectations to be dashed by life's realities. Somebody knows that wherever you have expectation and reality doesn't match the expectation and there's a gap between reality and expectation, there is always disappointment. Somebody in worship can say that while you're grateful for the life that you live and grateful for the goodness of God, there are some things that happen in your life they didn't happen the way you expected. I didn't expect after all these years I would still be single with no children. I had a different set of expectations for my life, a husband, marriage, and children, but life didn't turn out the way I expected. Many of you had articulated and unarticulated expectations, and, and even though you said some of those expectations out loud, by now you thought your life would be different. By now you thought you would have gotten a better job. By now you thought that you would have found love again. By now you thought you would receive that marriage proposal. By now you thought that somebody would have gotten your resume and given you a job. You had a set of expectations, but life didn't turn out the way you expected. You expected that a relative would live and they died anyway. In spite of your prayers, you have prayed for a certain thing for years and it has not come to pass. It's an, it's an expectation that never came to pass. It's not what you expected. And the truth of the matter is, we often go through life with a set of expectations. And these women were reeling from the disappointment of the weekend before because Jesus' humiliating death and crucifixion was not what they expected. Just the previous week, that Sunday, one week to the day, these same women were in the crowd when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The people stripped palms from the trees, threw down their coats, to cushion the steps of the donkey upon which Jesus rode. They rejoiced and they waved palms. And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is the king, which comes in the name of the Lord. They gave so much praise that some of the religious leaders tried to silence them. However, they were told that if those who were given praise were to hold their peace, the very rocks would cry out the message of thanksgiving for the presence that was in their midst. They were so excited, it looked like a new day was dawning. It seemed as if the kingdom had already come. But just one week later, somebody shout one week later. 
life didn't turn out the way they expected. Now they've gone from rejoicing to mourning. They have on garments of mourning that have been exchanged. Their garments of praise have been exchanged for garments of mourning. And their tear-stained eyes and trembling hands now carry bottles of ointment to anoint the body of Jesus who one week earlier had come through Jerusalem. And they were waving palm leaves saying, blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. But now they come to the tomb in the dark where they expected to find the dead, cold, and partially decayed body of Jesus. Hard to believe. And yet it was true that Jesus of Nazareth, the Palestinian Jew from North Africa, had been sentenced without a fair trial by an unholy alliance between a greedy, self-serving, oppressive government and right-wing religious leaders who found him guilty on trumped-up charges. He was crucified. He was dead and buried. Crucifixion was a humiliating and dehumanizing form of capital punishment, a type of first-century lynching reserved for individuals who were rebels and insurrectionists and those who were not Roman citizens. Crucifixion was meant to show what happened to people who challenged empire and Roman power structures. And for Jesus and his followers, his crucifixion was intended to be the final act of humiliation. For his enemies, it was the point of their greatest satisfaction. Their enemy, Jesus, had finally been nailed to a cross, put on public display between two thieves numbered with the transgressors. His body has been in Joseph's tomb. And he's been there, and for some reason, they have forgotten what Jesus said while he was alive. Because the story of resurrection begins while it's still dark. Somebody shout, it was dark. It was dark because the sun had not yet risen. But it was also dark for these women because it was the darkness of the death of their teacher and their friend. The truth of the matter is they could have gone to the tomb at midday. They could have gone to the tomb at high noon and it would have still been dark because just two days earlier, they had witnessed the death of the one who saw them as human beings. Just two days earlier, they had witnessed the death of the one in whom they had placed all their hope. Just two days earlier, they had witnessed the death of the one who they'd seen work miracles and give sight to the blind and treat them and experience and appreciate their full humanity. It shouldn't be too difficult for us to identify with the emotions that these women were feeling because most, if not all of us, have had some experience that propelled us into darkness. You see, the truth of the matter is you can be in the dark when the sun is shining. Can you touch somebody said the sun is shining, but I've been in the dark. The truth of the matter is you can be in the dark and the sun can be shining. Because darkness is not just a physical or natural phenomenon, but darkness is something that happens whenever we have profoundly disappointing experiences. And all of us know about profoundly disappointing experiences. Profoundly disappointing experiences remind me of the words that Mike Brown's parents articulated when they found out there would be no indictment 
for the killer of their son. They said, we are profoundly disappointed that the killer of our child would not face the consequences of his actions. Somebody shout, profoundly disappointed. If you've been watching Rest in Power, the story of Trayvon Martin, once again, we are reminded of what it feels like to be profoundly disappointed. As we are reminded afresh that some four or five years ago, Trayvon Martin's parents were profoundly disappointed when his killer, George Zimmerman, walked away unscathed, went to trial and never went to jail. After taking the life of their 18 or 17 year old son because he saw him as a threat when all he had was some Skittles and a bottle of iced tea. Somebody shout profoundly disappointed. Perhaps like Hillary Clinton who spoke of her profound disappointment after losing the presidential election in a stunning upset to billionaire businessman Donald Trump. Somebody shout profoundly disappointed. I know I'm not the only one in here who has ever been profoundly disappointed. Now I'm not just talking about disappointment. There's a difference between disappointed and being profoundly disappointed. I said there's a difference between regular, y'all won't talk, disappointment and being profoundly disappointed. See you can be disappointed and still get up out the bed. You can be disappointed and still Put one foot, y'all won't talk, in front of the other. You can be disappointed and still function, come on here, like you always did. But when you are profoundly disappointed, it's hard to get your bearing. It's hard to have hope. It's hard, I don't hear nobody, to keep pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Somebody in here knows what it's like to be profoundly disappointed. Perhaps it was the day you woke up in October 2008 in the aftermath of a great recession and found out that you didn't have enough savings to retire and that you'd have to keep working at that job that you wanted to leave so badly. Perhaps it was the day you received the phone call from the doctor's office <coughs> excuse me, that you need to come in right away because the doctors see a spot on the x-ray and the spot doesn't look good. Somebody shout profoundly disappointed. Perhaps it was the time you got a phone call in the middle of the night and somebody was on the other end telling you that somebody that you love had been killed in a car accident. Somebody shout profoundly disappointed. Perhaps it's because somebody you love dearly <coughs> had spent your life giving yourself to them in marriage woke up one day and told you they could no longer love you back and that the love that you had given to them they could not return it back to you perhaps it was the day you were sitting in the emergency room in ER or in the chapel at the hospital and you could not erase the look on the doctor's face when they walked out of the emergency room or walked out of surgery to tell you that they tried but they couldn't save your loved one's life somebody shout profoundly Disappointed, perhaps it's the way you felt after discovering you've been, been, been betrayed by a longtime friend. Perhaps it's how you felt after you'd been abandoned by somebody who told you they would never leave you. Somebody shout profoundly disappointed. I think you probably understand something of how these women felt. Most of us 
if not all of us have been plunged into some kind of darkness. Some of us are either coming out of the dark, we're going into the dark, or we've been, we're already in the dark. Nobody is exempt from dark experiences. And these women were in the dark. They were experiencing their own personal darkness as they made their way to the tomb. But when they got to the tomb, look at somebody said, darkness doesn't have to have to have the last word. Tell somebody, darkness doesn't have to have the last word. When they got to the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away. And when they went in looking for that dead body, the body, I'm doing the best I can, of Jesus was not there. As they stood there at a loss of what to make of all of it, suddenly two men in shining clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and they bowed their faces toward the ground. But the women, the men said to the women, why are you looking for the living among the dead? In other words, the men were asking them a question that carried a tone of rebuke. In other words, they are really suggesting you ought not be looking for Jesus. You ought to know what he said. You ought to remember that he said that the son of man would suffer, be crucified and buried. But in three days, he would get back up again. In other words, what they're saying is, did you really expect to find a lifeless body in this tomb? Did you really expect that there would be a lifeless body here for you to anoint? Their question implies that it was scandalous, somebody shout scandalous, for them to think they would find Jesus in the grave. But their discovery of the empty tomb did not lead to an easy change of perspective. It brought confusion, but not clarity. Isn't that what death does? Death brings darkness, and with it comes confusion, frustration, disappointment and shock and disbelief even anger anything but clarity and with the astounding truth ringing over their now uplifted faces the two men remind the women of what Jesus said it's in the text he said remember how he told you when he was with you in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. And then the verse says, and they remembered his words. Somebody said, remember his words. The women approached the tomb trying to make sense of what they had witnessed three days before. They encountered the men who pointed them to the words of Jesus. And the words that Jesus had spoken were not just a prediction, but a prophecy of his crucifixion and his resurrection. Jesus told them that he was going to get back up again. Jesus told them, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. Luke pointed out to the women that they needed to remember his words, even when the words seemed distant and were now, but now that they hear them, they were alive with meaning. The angel challenged them to remember the prophecies of his passion that he had made back in Galilee. The prophecies were explicit. Right after Peter's great confession of Jesus Christ, Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day, he'll be raised to life. 
after the transfiguration. He said to the apostles, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. But after three days, somebody shout three days, he's going to rise again. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask them about it. Every now and then, we have to have a review. Every now and then, we have to go back over a lesson. Y'all ain't talking. That we have previously learned. Because sometimes the lesson doesn't have application until we have to face the experience. The women remembered Jesus' words, but my suspicion is that they didn't take him seriously. Because they didn't expect that Jesus was really going to die. Or perhaps they hoped that it would never come to pass. But now the light is coming on. And suddenly that remembering brought new power and insight into their present situation. The meaning of Jesus' past words and actions suddenly made sense in this present tense. Because if Jesus' words were true, what he said when he was alive, then it meant that now that they're at the empty tomb, Jesus ain't dead no more. And if Jesus was not dead anymore, it meant that Jesus was alive. And if Jesus is alive, it means that things have changed. And even though it's dark right now, the sun is going to shine again. And they remembered his words. This kind of remembering carries serious implications for our present and our future. It's important to remember. Touch somebody say it's important to remember. Can I tell you why it's important to remember? Because life will make you forget what Jesus said. Sickness will make you forget what Jesus said. Profound disappointment will make you forget what Jesus said. Dark times will make us forget what Jesus said. Death will make us forget his words. Despair will make us forget his words. The truth of the matter is we're just like the disciples. Every now and then. We have to be reminded so we can remember. That's why you come to church. Because every week, something will make you forget what Jesus said. Oh, but when you get up in here and you hear the song of praise and you hear the word preach, somehow, some way, the words come back to your remembrance. And no matter how dark it is, you get joy to run on and see what the end is going to be. Can you shake that hand and tell somebody, remember his words. It's dark, but remember his words. It's frustrating, but remember his words. I had a bad week, but remember his words. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. But remember his word. Just find three people and tell them don't forget what his word says. His word says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. His word said, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the river, 
it won't drown you when you pass through the fire you won't be burned his word said don't fear i'm with you be not dismayed i'm your god his word says fret not thyself because of evildoers neither be thy envious against the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut off shake that hand say remember his word his word says all things work together for the good of them that love God and are the call according to his purpose shake that hand tell somebody remember his word his word says I know the plans that I have for your life plans to prosper plans for your welfare plans for hope and a future shout yeah yes yeah yes yeah shake that hand tell somebody remember what he said when you're sick when you're broke when you're hurt when you're frustrated when you're downhearted when you ain't got no friends in the world i've seen the lightning i've seen the lightning i've seen the lightning i've seen the lightning flash i've heard the thunder roll i've felt sin breakers trying to conquer my soul but I heard Jesus telling me fight on shake that hand say promise never to leave me never to leave me never to leave me alone shout yeah Remember what he said. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Tell somebody, remember his word. He said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. If you just keep your mind stayed on me, shout yeah. Remember his word. He said, the battle ain't yours. It's the Lord. Shout yeah. Yes! Yeah. I dare you to praise him. I dare you to give him glory. I dare you to open your mouth and tell God thank you. I dare you. I double dog dare you to jump to your feet and give God your best praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph shall you yeah look at somebody say I'm glad I came to church cause every now and then I need to remember what Jesus said look at somebody say every now and then I need to remember 
what Jesus said. Find three people, tell them every now and then, I need to remember what he said, what he said about my future, what he said about my family, what he said about my finances, what he said about my health, what he said about my life, what he said about my purpose and my destiny. Shout yeah! Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word. 